Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Microorganisms can survive in some amazing places. Now, the fact that microorganisms can survive in extreme locations is pretty important for us here on Earth. It's one of the reasons why we have an atmosphere to breathe. But just like created an oxygen-rich atmosphere in the past, it's now changing the atmosphere that we have here today, all thanks to global warming. And now we launch into our Launchpad News segment. One of the most amazing facts about life is that it manages to survive in places that you don't anticipate it. It's possible to survive deep underneath the ice caps, where there's no light, no moving water, and not a lot to eat. But if you look several kilometers underground where there's no sun or oxygen, you'll find microorganisms that eat the minerals in the bedrock underneath our ice caps and manage to survive. This is pretty amazing to think about what's happening here on our ice sheets in large glaciers in places like Greenland, but also possibly happening all across our solar system and beyond. Now, it's because life is so phenomenally complicated and good at surviving. Case in point, in 2007, researchers from European Space Agency launched around 3,000 tardigrades, water bears, into orbit. When they put them into orbit, they sent them around the Earth for around 10 days, just exposed to the vacuum of space and all the harsh temperature changes that accompany it. And when they came back to Earth, they found that around 68% of those tardigrades, the water bears, managed to survive the crazy amounts of radiation and also the vacuum of space. This is very difficult and challenging for all kinds of life, but the tardigrades managed to do it. And this is what happens to all kinds of small organisms across the world. You will find life surviving and thriving in the most extreme of places. We call these things often extremophiles for their ability to survive in very difficult locations. So putting all of that together, it should be no surprise that if you take away sun, oxygen and water, just like the tardigrades managed to survive in space, they can probably survive in places with limited amounts of those things here on Earth. Somewhere like deep underneath a glacier. Now, Looking for evidence of this is pretty difficult because obviously you have to get to really hard to reach places where life could be. And that's where researchers like Alessandro Anesio and others from Aarhus University in the Netherlands have published in the journal Geobiology, investigating just exactly how you can hunt for these strange forms of life in different parts of glacier surfaces. Now, if you look at the microorganisms that you can find in these large pools of ice, these large masses of ice in places like Greenland, you'll find that you'll often see a small black algae. Now, the algae grows on top of the ice and tinges the ice's colour black. Now, black is interesting as a colour, mostly because ice is normally clear or white, and so to turn it black is interesting because black makes it more difficult to reflect sunlight. So the heat from the sun 
or whatever solar energy manages to reach that ice gets more absorbed if the ice is black and the algae turns tends to make that ice more black now if the algae is inhabiting and living inside that ice gets that ice to be a darker color that ice absorbs more light and if that ice absorbs more light well that ice is going to melt more the more the ice melts the more water runoff is available for more life to thrive and grow so it's an actually really interesting strategy but it also plays into some larger pictures things like the way that the ice melting behavior can impact things like global warming as well now algae can play a pretty crucial role in monitoring and understanding the way that global warming is happening now in recent years larger and larger areas of ice have become more stained by the algae have turned a blacker color now this is good for the algae but bad for the global climate because it actually makes the ice melt faster the ice is able to absorb more heat and thus be encouraged to melt faster and if the calculations by Alexander Nesio are correct then the algae hasn't been increasing its melt rate by around 20 percent which is pretty substantial now the algae on the ice has existed long before anthropogenic climate change was a thing, long before people were a thing. It's a very old mechanism. Now, the problem is that climate change exacerbates the conditions that algae can thrive in, so they'll do their job to thrive even more with the conditions presented in front of them. That's not the fault of the algae, it's just the fault of the humans creating the scenario where the algae can flourish and you can see now if we go to somewhere like Greenland that the ice sheets there are less and less green they were never green to be clear Greenland is a marketing misnomer created by people like Eric Thread and others who were trying to colonize the area trying to promote images of a green rich farmland which may or may not have been the case at the time but it's certainly not normally green mostly ice and now that ice that you would see with whites and blues is now more tinged in black because of the algae and there's more and more of it because the climate is warming which leads to a sort of runaway effect Now, if we could find some way to slow down the growth of this algae, that would be good. Not because it stops the ice from melting. Yes, that's great, but also because it tries to keep the ecosystem in balance, a kind of equilibrium. So if one algae is thriving more than others, this may destabilize the microbiome. Through global warming, we're influencing the ecosystem. We can think about this more with ocean levels rising or fires burning off areas of our environment or causing droughts. It's easy to think about macro, large organisms dying off or changing their population distributions. But the same thing is happening on the really small scale with microorganisms as well. If you start influencing the environment, 
then the microorganisms, one will be better positioned than another, which will lead to an imbalance. And that imbalance or that change in the population of microorganisms can lead to pretty substantial macro effects. In this case, we're talking about more ice melting because the microbes that tinge the ice black and thus cause them to melt more uh, in the ascendancy compared to other microorganisms. So it's important to understand now that we're seeing the rise of these darkening microorganisms in the ice, what are we losing? What are we not seeing as much of? Now, the various microorganisms in the organism in the ice all affect each other. Some leave nutritions that behind that others might live off. Some small viral particles attack and consume bacteria, and some fungal spores could eat, for example, the black algae. It's all connected in a very complicated ecosystem, but one that we don't know very much about. Because while this algae is on its runaway growth, it's hard to see what else is happening behind the picture. And this algae growth is really a consequence of releasing too many greenhouse gases into our atmosphere and changing our climate. But it's important to understand the impact that it has on the microorganisms in that ecosystem because it can have pretty large influences on the rest of our climate. Now, it's also interesting to think about this black colour, because this black colour is pretty unique to this type of algae. When you think about things that photosynthesize, you will often see plants. These plants and trees are green because they rely on chlorophyll to enable them to perform the photosynthetic process, turning the sun's light plus some carbon dioxide in the air into energy for them to thrive. But algae, like black algae, are a little bit different. They're bombarded for sure with sunlight and radiation. So to protect themselves, they actually produce this black pigment. It's the same kind of black pigment that you'd even find in things like tea. And that black pigment forms a protective layer around the algae and protects the chlorophyll, which is present there, but protects it from too much dangerous radiation. And when the pigment absorbs the sun rays, it generates heat. So that pigment layer, that darkened pigment, is actually there to protect the algae, to protect its chlorophyll from getting burnt off by the too much radiation. The problem is, it creates heat. That heat has to go somewhere, and typically that goes into melting the ice. Now, that's useful for the algae. It's very happy to do so because it produces water, water runoff, which it needs to thrive then if that water isn't used anymore by the algae, then that's just liquid runoff. Now, this is pretty interesting because researchers can look at the example of what's happening in Greenland and how it is changing rapidly due to anthropogenic climate change and understand what might happen or might have happened on other planets, not just here on our solar system, but beyond. Because when you look at these extremophiles living in inhospitable places on Earth, it's pretty similar to what you might find on Mars, Jupiter, and Saturn's icy moons, which is why researchers at Aarhus University have been often collaborating with NASA to provide insight into what they're finding on these extremophiles scattered around on Earth, because it can give an indication of what to look for on other planets across our solar system. If you can find organisms that can survive in Greenland, you know what to look for when you go to Cassini or another moon or planet across the solar system or beyond. So the way in which our planet is changing its climate can be observed in the smallest of organisms, algae living in glaciers, 
reacting to the world around them and causing planetary scale impacts in large numbers. It is after all algae that we owe the fact that we have oxygen in our atmosphere to breathe. They produce that billions of years ago, but also now they are interacting with our climate and helping grow themselves into larger and larger amounts, which can have detrimental impacts to our glaciers, leading to a warmer planet and a bunch of other negative impacts for us as well, all caused by epidemic climate change. This is an interesting paper published in the journal Geobiology, with the author on this paper from Alhaz University, James Bradley, and many others working together to investigate how microorganisms live and survive on glacier surfaces. This has been the Young Scientists of Australia's podcast, LaGrange Point. Microorganisms have changed the planet once before and will continue to do so long after humans here on the planet. We find out how microorganisms absorbing more light can help increase glacier melts in Greenland. Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.